he has a different perspective than what well, I have, regardless of if it's, you know, he's on the autism spectrum or he's a Martian. Like, I don't care. But, like... Some people are just emotionally disconnected from other human beings. That's a, that's that's the long and short of it. And like, that makes their observations in other areas super interesting. I'm thinking There's, about what you just said, though. Because I think what you said is very... I think it's actually really interesting to think about, like, being disconnected but still being an adequate observer of people. Because I think that's what most introverts are. Like, I know for myself, like... I, I'm very observant of people, but I'm not emotionally disconnected. So I think for me, it's kind of hard to do that. Because, like, I love people, obviously, but, you know, I, I couldn't tell someone who liked my podcast and then decided to do a movie podcast on their own and tell them to fuck off. Like, I couldn't do that. That's so wild. Day celebrations, plural. How did, mm-hmm. Tell me good, the good about that. So the good thing is um, our projector works and is beautiful. And all of my friends are really lovely, respectful people who understand how cool it is that they get to do this. Yeah. So they are respectful of the space. They are respectful of each other, which is really special, I think. That is. <laughs> at one point, I kind of explained to everybody, I was like, listen, when you guys leave, like, I have to sanitize your chairs. Yeah. And all of them volunteered to clean their own. That's nice. Yeah, it was really, I, I felt after every single gathering, I felt very, at least seen, if not, yeah. like, actively cared for. Yeah. Which was really nice. It's been a while. <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a very social person by nature, right? And, yeah. like, that just hasn't been an option. Well, yeah, definitely. So being able to gather with a group of people with the same kind of common excitement and or goal and to, like, do something together, even if it is watching a movie, which is a passive thing, yeah. was was really, like, something I've been missing very desperately. Yeah. And that's also cool because, you know, as things are now released on, like, Blu-ray or DVD or on-demand before they're released in theaters, we now have a way to watch it that feels similar to the theater experience. <sighs> Does it, though? Because I'm kind of having I'm kind of having a hard trouble with that because even for, like, when we watch, you know, June... Uh, Juneteenth and even mm-hmm. the Five Bloods. Like I think watching the Five Bloods, even though it was a Netflix only movie, like if I had a chance to watch that in the theaters, watch that for the first time in the theaters, I think that experience would have been magnified at least oh, five times right. over. But like I did build a movie theater. Like touche, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
you know, that's kind of what I mean. Like, we have a, I don't know, 120-inch diagonal screen. Oh, shit, okay. And a projector, and people build little six-foot camps, basically. So it's like a drive-in movie, except you're not in your car. Yeah. I felt like I was seeing the Grand Budapest Hotel in theaters again. I felt like I was watching the Birdcage in a theater for the first time. Okay. And, like, that was really cool. So from your experience from that, from this last weekend... Mm-hmm. So let's say Christopher Nolan, he wanted to hit you over the head with the $30 price tag to watch Tenet at home. Yeah. Would you be, knowing that you have the home set up now to actually get like a pretty decent experience out of mm-hmm. it, would you feel comfortable paying the $30? I would probably request that my friends chip in a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Pay-per-view listen, shit. I, well, okay. Hey, um, I did buy the projector and screen. Uh, yeah. And like I have to clean up every time they leave. Yeah. I have to set up and take down before they come and go. I'm happy to chip in my, you know, let's say I can get five other friends to come over. I'll chip in my $5. Yeah. But like I don't feel like I should have to pay for the movie if it is not one I already own. Oh, in, hell, all by myself. Have you ever gone to like a fight party? <laughs> so so basically when when boxing I, I think of six definitions for that so i'm gonna need you to specify so so basically when boxing was legit like probably the second most popular sport in america like people would just have fight parties and fight parties as you know like every i think it would be like maybe once one saturday a month or one saturday every other month you know, whoever the heavyweight was that's going to fight, you know, they have a bunch of people over. It'd be like a house party, whatever. But it wouldn't be like, you know, like music and shit. Everyone would just be glued to the television watching a fight or whatever. Right. But then and if it was just your kind of like family over, you wouldn't necessarily like you wouldn't really ask people for money. They would like they would just chip in randomly. But yeah, if it was just your hood or whatever. Like yeah, like you were charging people like money to come in the house or whatever. Right. To cover to cover the pay per view costs and also like the the setups takedown. Yeah, basically. I mean, and also not, like, not even that because it was it was like regular. If you if you were lucky to have a big screen back in those days, like you're mm-hmm. you're, you're set or whatever. But I think I mean this could be the return of that, like especially mm-hmm. for. I mean, you gotta. You, <laughs> if you choose to make a profit, that's totally fine. But but. No, I do I think even the chipping in would be make sense. I don't want to make a profit. I want to cover my expenses, especially if I'm renting on top of what I've already spent. Yeah. So that's that's all I would ask for in, in that instance, you know. And at the end of the day, right, if Tenet is released to be watched, however, right? Yeah. Then, yeah, all right, I will invite a bunch of my friends on a Saturday night. I'll make sure we all get there early enough. But, like, for my birthday especially... I'm kind of providing a curated experience, right? So, like, I'm picking a concert video or a collection of music videos to show as people are walking in and setting up their seats. And, like, I've specifically picked stuff that I want to go with the movie we're watching. I'm curating an experience. Like, I'm not trying to be hyperbolic here, but, like... Yeah. I'm... I'm. You if, are creating the vibe. Yeah, and if I if this were a real movie theater, that's a, an experience you'd pay for. Yeah. You know, much like independent bookstores are becoming popular again because of that curation. Yeah. I would hope that that would be appreciated. 
And obviously in this case, like I'm throwing a party for my birthday. I'm not going to have people chip in. It's not a big deal. But like if, for instance, I want to do a, uh, a screening of Jaws where everyone brings their own kiddie pools. <laughs> That's cool, man. That's I cool. think it would be really fun and also kind of funny. Uh, if I end up having to buy Jaws on Blu-ray to show it because our internet doesn't actually reach all the way out there. Um, there's, there's then, ways around that. We'll, we'll talk like, about that. There's ways around that. Basically, the point I'm trying to make is that if I have to put in a significant expenditure to make the party happen, I would like to at least have a little help. Yeah, definitely. I I actually just, like, legit, like, Saturday, I upgraded my television experience so even still like i really do miss like going to movie theaters like because even even if it's just like a a popping in just to catch something i ended up like i saw into the spider-verse i was like leaving work and i was like i wonder i wonder when this shit is just showing and i like where i worked it was legit down the street from a movie theater and I I left work and I was watching Spider Verse within 20 minutes, like yeah, in a in a comfortable theater with like leather chairs or whatever. Which, by the way, Spider Verse was the first movie I used to test the setup. Oh, sweet, sweet. That's good. That's good shit right there. Got that shit on Blu-ray, baby. <laughs> I mean, that, no, that's definitely a Blu-ray 4K movie that like you get mm-hmm. the most out of. I remember the last time I. And I watched it. It was fucking phenomenal. But, um, but, but no, like, I really do miss going to the movies, man. Like, even just kind of the sense of being, you know, communal type of thing. Like, I even remember, you know, obviously in game. Avengers! Assemble. And that whole experience getting that in a movie theater were like packed full of people going nuts. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of the shit you can't really replicate anywhere else. So for me, like I, I definitely want to watch Tenet. And I I know for myself, like I, I won't feel comfortable in movies and being in a movie theater at least for Halloween, like October, November type shit. Yeah. So I'm actually gonna go one step further than that. I'm generally uncomfortable with indoor spaces. Shit. Like right that. now. And I don't know that if, if there's a shot for this or a treatment plan for this in November, December, then sure, I'll go see a movie. But otherwise, I will not be going until there's a shot or a treatment plan. I, I just, I don't feel comfortable. And that's the same for Comic-Cons. That's the same for bars. And it breaks my heart because those are obviously a lot of places where you go to socialize. Yeah. Especially me, I was, you know, when I was doing screenings, I was at the movie theater in Boston up to five nights a week. Damn. Um, Shit. And, like, with my friends, you know, because you become friends with the people that you spend a lot of time with. And uh, so this is, you know, my my whole social life has basically just been scooped out with an ice cream scoop. Um, Ooh. And I'm really fortunate that I have this outdoor space in which I can entertain. And I'm already trying to figure out, okay, if we have uh, space heaters, if we have those outdoor lights that generate a lot of heat, uh, if we have blankets, can I show Christmas movies? Like, I'm already trying to figure out how I can make this last as long as possible in case there isn't a shot. 
in case yeah. there isn't an easy fix for this so that we can kind of keep this ball rolling as long as we can. And one of the things I love about New England is we get all four seasons, but we oftentimes get whacked upside the head with winter. Yeah, yeah. And I want to make sure that we can keep this going for as long as possible and get this started again on the other side of that as long as possible or as soon as possible. Because I, this is like, this is so dumb, but like I had friends who started to cry because this is the most people they've seen in months. This is the most time they've spent with others in months. This is the, the first time they've watched a movie on a screen for some of them in years. Jeez. You know, just not off their laptop or their TV or whatever. We were all talking over the birdcage and making jokes over the birdcage because we'd all seen it. Yeah. Well, okay, two, two of my friends had not seen it, but, like, we weren't being obnoxious about it. Like, because we wanted to be able to share this with other people. And even if it is just watching something together, that together is really important. Yeah. And you can't get it all from Netflix party. Yeah, definitely. You know, you can't just make eye contact with one of your friends for which one thing has become an inside joke on a group Zoom. You just can't. Yeah. You know, so I'm really grateful that, first of all, things are opening up, but also that people are being smart enough, you know. When I do dinner parties, or when I invite people out to dinner, I usually set a, a theme of some sort, you know, wear that outfit you always have wanted an excuse to wear or, you know, dress in a way that makes you feel beautiful, like whatever, right? You know, I kind of RuPaul's Drag Race it. And for this one, I said, like, wear the mask that makes you feel prettiest. And for some people that wound up just being like, you know, the mask they wear every day. But some of the people, even if they wear disposable masks every day for work, started matching their accessories, you know, so they had those blue fuzzy masks you know that you throw out after one wear but they had you know a blue ring and a blue bracelet and blue in their shoes and like it whole you know it became a, a moment yeah you know or they matched it to what they were wearing or what right and like so not only did it become a space where like if you're sitting in your little six foot square you can have a drink and you don't have to worry about keeping your mask on but also the mask became a fun accessory not yeah. just a like Ugh. And that made the whole space feel a lot more friendly, I think. Yeah. Because I remember when you first told me that your plans for your birthday, like, I was definitely jealous, but jealous in a great way. Like, I was really happy that someone that I love was able to do things with people that they love. Like, because I feel like, I mean, this is definitely a real space to, like, hate on people. <laughs> like, this is, a, like, even seeing people in, like, videos on IG and they're just, like, going about their business, like, they're not stressed, like. Right. It, all of that has a layer of falseness to it, but there's just points when you see it on the surface, you're like, bro, like, all these people are not doing what they're supposed to be doing. Should I just say fuck it, too? But then even when I ask myself that, I know the answer is no. Like, I won't allow myself to really be, like, that irresponsible. I wouldn't put my friends in that type of danger or whatever. But whenever you told me you were having the party at your at your house showing the movies, like, I was really happy for you in the sense that you actually found a way to be safe but also to keep those relationships going with your friends. Yeah, and I mean, I'm really grateful, and uh, I'm actually a little worried, and I don't mean to sound bad, but, like, 
a lot of people who weren't able to come on Friday's makeup date. So Friday was I was showing Batman 66. It got rained out. The makeup date is this coming Friday. Okay. And a couple of people weren't able to come to that, so they asked if they could come to Saturday instead. And a couple of people realized they wouldn't be able to come to Saturday, so they asked if they could come next Friday instead. And uh, I'm unfortunately going to have to have a friend basically be a bouncer and cut it off at 10 people from different households or up to 12 people if some of them come from the same. So like, There's nothing wrong with that. No, and, but I do feel bad kind of, you know, saying no to people because this is such a cool thing and, like, I do want to celebrate with them. But, like, I'm not going to break social distancing. I'm not going to violate that because, like, I've worked so hard. Yeah. My parents have worked so hard. Like, I don't I don't mean to, like, make it sound like this was some big struggle, but this was not the easiest thing in the world to just set up. No, definitely. Um, And also, like... Later this summer, I want to have, I'm having a couple friends who have tents who have asked if they could stay over after instead of trying to get a lift back in the middle of the night on a Sunday, because that's hard. Uh, and we're going to have like a Smash Brothers tournament, because you can plug your Switch in. Yeah. And like, you know, I'm trying to turn this into basically an extension of our living room, but I need some good evidence that this can work before I can start screwing with those rules a little bit. And if they're your friends, they if they really are their friends as they say they are, then they'll understand that. Well, like, I on Saturday I started in inciting like a strict RSVP rule. So I will text you by noon on the day of your party. If you do not confirm to me by four, I am offering your spot to someone else. There's nothing wrong with that. You're doing great, by the way. This is all good things, like. Like, cause I I know obviously you don't want to tell people no, and I know even there's a sense of yours probably internally where it's like I would love on some level to have as many people as possible, but you just kind of know like that's just not how the game is playing right now. Yeah, and I honestly like this is a time that I miss bars so much because I don't have to be in charge of that. Yeah. You know, if they tell me I only have a table for ten, then. I figure out who my 10 is going to be. Yeah. You know, like it's whatever, you know, we're, t- I'm doing my best here and I'm, I'm glad I'm able to do this, but like, boy, there's a lot of work being a social hostess. <laughs> yeah, I would guess so, but um, I mean, you're keeping it outdoors and you're keeping everyone separate. So, right. And I'm also programming everything. I'm also providing all the, like, there hasn't been any communal snacks, although one night some people brought snacks to share. So, like, I had to facilitate the communal snacks. People do need to pee sometimes. So, like, I've I've had to facilitate making sure the bathrooms have gotten clean. Stuff like that. Like, I've been really working to make sure that people are, like, as dangerous as they want to be, I guess. While still making it a, a safe space. Yeah. And it's it's been tricky, uh, that said, uh, I know how to set up and take down by myself now, so that means I will absolutely be playing Animal Crossing drunk <laughs> on my lawn at, at some point. Hilarious. Uh, but I'm also, like, I'm already planning, and this is so bad. I know this is so bad. But I'm already planning, like, October. <laughs> yeah. 
I'm like, okay, so uh, we're going to show Halloween Town on these nights for people with kids who don't want to show them a scary movie. We're going to be showing Halloween and then the remake of Halloween on these nights. Like, I'm ready. So do you, with kids in the mix for October, do you, have you thought about what would happen if schools are led back in? Well, so at a certain point, I'm going to talk to parents and I'm going to just say, hey, what do y'all think? Basically, my idea is that I'm going to do a board for, for parents. And I figure, you know what? At the end of the day, regardless of if kids actually come, I know a lot of my friends don't like horror movies. A lot of them are anxious or easily upset. And they would much rather do a double feature of Halloween Town and The Nightmare Before Christmas than, like, the Saw movies. And that's fine. Yeah. You know, I kind of am trying to get options across the board. Now, that being said, this summer, am I inviting the kids who have been playing outside every day? And I mean every day. uh, To come watch Toy Story? Yeah. Because I want them to have something to do. I want them to have a backyard that they can run around in and watch a movie and have a good time together. Yeah. You know, because I I have the ability to do that. And if their parents say they don't want them to, that's fine. I'm going to pitch to the parents before I pitch to the kids. I'm not a monster. Um, How's the Massachusetts school, well, the Boston public schools been so far? Are they, so are they, are they letting people, because I know California just said that they're postponing bringing kids back. There has been no official announcement yet. So as of right now, there's no, no information. Oh, so there's not, like, a word on the street or anything? So, word on the street is they're going to figure something out. Whether that is having the kids who can be homeschooled be homeschooled, and then only have the kids come in who really need to come in, and basically turning it into a socially distant daycare. I don't know. But at the end of the day, right, like, a horrifying thing that I was announced pretty early into the pandemic is approximately 12% of the students in the Boston public school system are functionally homeless. Yeah. Uh, which means that basically 12% of the students had to drop out at the beginning of this year. Like at the beginning of 2020 when school was not able to remain in session. That unfortunately sounds about right for most large school districts. Yeah. Right. So, uh, I think Boston is really, really trying to figure out how they can protect them while also protecting their educators because Boston is an area with a lot of colleges. It's an area with a lot of private schools. It's an area that really, really values their education and they want to make sure that everyone is safe. But at the same time, like I work at a summer camp most summers, at least for a week or two, I volunteer uh, at a program called Be Safe, which is in Boston uh, and it's wonderful and they need donations. So if you're local, See what you can do. Um, And they are for inner city youth who can't necessarily afford to go to a summer program. And often it helps kids to kind of maintain what they learned during the school year. Because so much of that kind of dissolves if you don't have good stimulation. Yeah. And in some cases, you know, helps kids catch up or whatever. And they're doing their program this year in shifts. So... They're seeing the same number of kids overall, but half of them come in in the morning and half of them come in in the afternoon. So it's Oof. they're running several half-day programs instead of one full-day program. And so they, they've already done that or are going to do that in the future? They're doing that going forward. So they, they've announced that is their plan for this summer. You know, because 
it's July. Summer has started. Because, uh, um, well, I did hear about that one summer camp that had to get shut down because there were kids that reported positive. Mm-hmm. Um, this shit's a, this is a wild-ass ride, man. Like, in Florida, Florida is just hell-bent on bringing schools back. And even Florida from the, will do whatever Donald Trump tells them to do. Basically. Even, and even from the perspective of the teachers, like, I mean, I, I graduated with a lot of teachers. Obviously, I graduated with all teachers in my graduating class. And not even just them. Like, I just have friends I went to high school with that eventually became teachers. And a lot of support from the school systems don't really seem to be there. Like, even if it's just still remote you know, remote schooling. Right. It just kind of this, it's just kind of this feeling that teachers are going to be babysitters, which is like babysitters who are expected to put their entire lives on the line. Yeah. And it's not even just like teachers. You got to think of custodian staff, Mm -hmm. administration staff, school bus drivers, like even the cross, the crossing guards every morning and every afternoon. Like this is literally like, thousands upon thousands of families on the lines in each state mm-hmm. and you know this administration just just not give a shit nope. and devils is just is the fucking worst she is so, she is absolutely the worst yeah man so it's from i mean from the movies to the schools like every literally every our lives are governed by this thing and so yep. we we just kind of roll with it, man. But and the thing that's so infuriating is like all of the countries that took this seriously when everyone was yelling at them to take it seriously are not great, but they are significantly better than we are right now. Yeah. And I do not understand why this was so difficult. I just think I just think Americans just don't want to have responsibility for other Americans. That, yeah. That, that's what it kind of boils down to. And it's shit. Yeah. I would also just like to like holler for the record generally speaking and this is a thing that's been like hurting my brain a little bit hi florida listeners i'm sure we have at least one why is the safest place in your fucking state right now walt disney world what the fuck because multi-million dollar athletes are there (laughs) well no hear me out though so i have a couple of friends who work in the theme parks right and like that's that what that's what they do that's what they love Uh, And some of them also teach. The ones who are teachers who work part-time at the Disney parks are fighting tooth and nail to go full-time because Disney is testing their teacher or testing their cast members. They have insurance. They have paid sick leave. Like Disney is actually kind of putting up or shutting up and taking care of their people in a way that, you know, Joe Schmo's bar on the beach that opened six weeks ago isn't. You know, in a way that the fucking public education system probably won't. And, you know, don't forget the CEO of AMC said that he wasn't going to, masks weren't going to be mandatory because he didn't want to make a political statement. Yeah. Hong Kong has had like 15 COVID deaths. They are, per capita, the most populous place on the planet based on their size. That is because they have 97% mask compliance. The 3% that are not masked, weirdly, what a quinky dink, are foreigners. <laughs> Put your fucking mask on. This isn't rocket science. 
and I'm tired of waiting for you to die so I can go out and have a, some masked fun again. Going back to Disney though, do you think it's do you think it's responsible that they're reopening their parks? No, but it's not their call at the end of the day. Their federal aid is about to run out. Their statewide aid is about to run out. I understand that they're a multi-billion dollar corporation, except that they kind of are in the same boat as every other business right now. So the fact that they are going out of their way, they are doing the full nine yards to make guests and cast members safe. When they could just say, fuck it, let's open. It's the Wild West, y'all. Yeehaw. Because Florida doesn't care about you. (laughs) I'm not saying that they should be applauded for doing the bare minimum. But I am saying, given the lemons they were given, at least they're trying to make lemonade. You know? The lemons may be rotten, but they're trying to do do something. They're trying to put sugar on top of it. Right. And one of the, the regular Disney vloggers I watch says, I feel safer going to Disney World than I do going to a public beach. Or then I do walking through my downtown. Like, at the end of the day, at least I feel like they're making an effort to to not increase. You know, and you can make an argument that, yeah, they're placing, you know, money above lives and whatever. But so is the whole country. So is every (laughs) bar and restaurant that's opened so far. So is every movie theater. So is every museum. Like, it's not just them. So shush. Any profession that is not forced you to work remote is putting you in some type of calculated risk. Whether it's low calculated or high calculated, it's some type of risk. I sort of turned down a job offer today because they asked me to come in for a like unsocially distanced interview. Ooh, that's no good, man. Not from you, from them. Like that's... I've been on I've been unemployed for the last year, and they were like, all of the interviews that we're doing are like. Small conference room, maskless, like, air conditioning, closed windows. We want to see your whole face. And I was like, that's cute. Check my Instagram. Like, That's just not responsible. Like, oh, my God. Like, the well, this I tell Kat all the time, this is a visual medium, but I'm holding my face right now of how upset it kind of makes me that a, a, a job would actually tell people that. I mean, at least they're honest that, look, we're, we're going to be very irresponsible with your health, so come in anyway because we need bodies to make us money. Right, and also, I, again, and I'm not, I'm please keep in mind, like, I'm not on Disney's payroll. I'm not trying to suck their dick. Like, I have a lot of issues with what's going on right now. But they're temperature checking everybody. Their staff is getting COVID tested more than every public employee. Like, they are working really hard to make sure that if they are having to bring people back to work, it is in a way that is safe. If they are bringing people back to their hotels and resorts, it is in a way that is safe. And like, I don't care what you think of them as a company. I really don't. But like, listen to the people who are living this, you know, the fact that someone says, I feel more comfortable going to a $90 a day minimum theme park experience, more so than I do walking from my house to Publix. Yeah. Like, that's an issue with the government, not the thing the government forced to happen. Yeah. Like, if you're with an employer, and I happen to be with an employer who, 
they're taking everything very seriously, and I'm mm-hmm. very thankful for that. And they basically told us, you know, unless you need to be in the actual office, don't come. Like, for the rest of the year, I'm going to be remote. So as long as I have a job for this year, I'll be at home this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm really glad that I'm in a position that they had that. But at the same time, you know, there's like a obviously hiring hiring freeze for for us at least and i know how hard it would have been not how hard it would have been how hard it was for you to kind of turn on that opportunity i mean but at the same time like employers owe responsibility to their staff like there's no two ways around it and they were they were showing you they weren't doing that for you i read that email and i was like what 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 do i even say like I don't, I don't even know how to respond to this email. So I did it in the best way I knew how. I applied for two other jobs instead. Um, <laughs> you know, because... Because like, even, even if you go back and ask them, well, I would be more comfortable if we did, you know, in a in a, in a a large space with, with mask on, I would even feel bad about that because it's like they've already showed their hand that they don't give a shit. Right. So, Even saying, hey, can we meet outside and get a cup of coffee? Like, when are they going to tell me I have to come into the office? And how not okay with that are they going to be when I'm not okay with that? Yeah. You know? Like, that's a that's a scary thing to think about. And at the end of the day, right? Like, New England is one of the good ones, right? Like, we're doing okay up here. But as the rest of the country continues, and I, and I don't mean to be glib about this, because I know the individuals are pretty okay, you know, all of the folks that I know all over the country are on the right side of this. But as the government continues to not take this seriously, it's only a matter of time until that spirals back up to us. Yeah. You know, and I, I am really scared for that future. I hope that there is a shot or a vaccine or a treatment plan by that time. But also don't forget this country is fucking plagued by anti-vaxxers. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not trying to be like a human garbage fire here, but like... If it takes there being a vaccine for me to be comfortable getting a job, for me to be comfortable getting a high contact position, bitch, I'll be there day one. <laughs> I don't care if I get weird fucking X-Men powers. If anything, that sounds like goddamn icing. Yeah. I, where's I don't know what else man? to do, you know? Yeah. New England isn't going to, like, Massachusetts has publicly announced that they're not going to open up until there's a treatment plan or a vaccine. Like, they're just not going to open up fully. That's good. Like, it's great. But yeah. also, and I, I do not mean to be like a hyperbolic piece of garbage here, uh, it also means that a lot of bars and restaurants and places that can't, aren't getting any more aid are going to die. My piano bar might not make it. And yeah. that's so unfortunate because they've been trying so hard and they've been following all the rules and it's not their fault. Yeah. You know, and and what do you do? I feel like the state needs to offer more aid to businesses that aren't going to be able to open for a while because they're like their hands are kind of tied. Yeah, they were trying to do that with the I don't know if you're about the the PPP loans. Yeah, they were they were trying to do that. But the PPP loans only designated to last like two months. Yeah. And so, obviously, that deadline, they extended the deadline to August, but, you know, what about the people that, you know, 
that that money gone now like what like what are they going to do like for the next couple of months they can't at least here they can't do anything yeah it had to be spent by a certain date yeah so like if a bar here any bar literally take your pick can't open until 2021 and there's no rent freeze and there's no business loans to be had because they don't know when anyone will be able to pay anything back. Yeah. What do you do? You know, and even movie theaters, which are supposed to be able to open at, at small capacity now, uh, a lot of the local movie theaters are like, nope, we need this money really, really bad. But like, if all our clients die, then what do we do? You know something interesting that I saw, which is actually kind of a good thing. I know obviously they're drive-in movie theaters that are you know functioning now, but I even saw somewhere like they even did like a drive-in stand-up comedy thing. Right. Where, like, I mean, those businesses are getting creative, but they're just other businesses that don't have that avenue, unfortunately. Uh, a place that I love in Maine that is a piano bar built a piano bar out back of their regular piano bar. They oh. just bulldozed the parking lot <laughs> and threw a keyboard in a gazebo. Yeah. And we're like, sing, bitches! And like, great. Or like, my favorite local movie theater up in a gunquit. It's 100 years old, and what they do now is they just show classics, and they make all their money from food and drink. Decided to just turn into a food and drink place, and occasionally they project a movie outside. Yeah. You know, because these places are trying to stay afloat as best they can. But, you know, what about theater? Oh. Like, theater theater. Oof. Oof. You know, Oof. what about these things that, that might, it might be a while before they happen at all? The place that I first saw a, a musical ever, when I was four years old, this theater's 105 years old might close because of this. And now keep in mind, if they're 105 years old, that means they've survived two world wars (laughs) and a flu epidemic. Both bushes. Yeah. (laughs) And somehow this might be the thing that sinks them because we place so little value in our arts. Yeah. You know, it, it, I really hope that if you have a lot of time because you're unemployed or perhaps you're, you know, working from home, that you're not getting as many projects as you're used to. Maybe spend some time thinking about what really matters to you. Yeah. You know, if small theater spaces where you can see musicals is your jam, make sure they're getting a little of your jam. If if you're, a, you know, a small movie theater where you can interview the creatives after, make sure that they they know you love them. Even if you don't have the money to donate, Encourage people to donate. Yeah. You know, share your personal anecdotes about how much you love the space so people remember it's there. Because you have no idea how many times I say, oh, the Agunquit Playhouse, and people are like, oh, I, I didn't know that was still there. <laughs> it won't be for long. You know, things are things are bad all over, and if you have the ability to, just rem- even if it's $5, remind a place that you love them. There's this movie theater in Maryland that they're doing, I forget what movie theater is, but they're actually doing like a monthly subscription mm-hmm. to uh, stream, you know, indie, indie films, you know, 
any any movie theater is going to have shit like that just yeah. popping. So. Yeah. Um, we have a theater that we love up in Beverly called The Cabot, and they are doing a uh, you can rent through them. But also, if your favorite spot is a bookstore and it's not open, go to their website. A lot of places have a, the ability to either ship you books or do curbside. But like, yeah. I, don't, I don't mean to be the worst here, but like, there's no excuse. <laughs> stop or stop ordering your books through Amazon. Jeff Bezos is never going to love you in the way they deserve. Jeff Bezos is never going to remember what you read last and how much you liked it. Like, get the fuck over it. All right. I'm, I understand convenience is convenient, but like there are so many books out there that need homes. There's so, I went to my favorite record store up in Maine when I was up there for a couple of days. And it also sell they, they sell DVDs, they sell books and they sell records and some video games. And I spent significantly more money than I had allocated because their curation was so good. And I know that if I walked into one of those ridiculous fucking brick-and-mortar Amazon pop-up stores, that curation wouldn't be there. Because right now I'm reading a book about a bard from 15th century Germany that's translated out of German by someone who translates fucking Kafka's journals. And guess what? Not everybody is going to love that and give that five stars. But in a small bookstore, that doesn't matter. If one person loves it enough and says, if you liked this, you might like this, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. And also, I got all the DVDs for our Mike Nichols episode for the same price it would have cost to rent them for 24 hours. So, (laughs) fuck you, Amazon. I own The Graduate now, whores. (laughs) Hilarious, man. Yeah, what if Bezos becomes just—he just wants to run for president, and we're just United States of Amazon. So here's what I'm gonna say, and this is real dumb, but I'm gonna say it anyway. We could have had the CEO of the Walt Disney Company as our first like businessman CEO. Bob Iger straight up was gonna run for president, and Oprah was gonna be his VP. Ugh. Listen, if we're gonna go full capitalist asshole, at least make it altruist capitalist assholes. At least smart capitalist assholes. Right. Because Jeff Bezos <laughs> is a trillionaire, but like he almost. He's almost a trillionaire. But like he doesn't care about you. He doesn't love you. And he's profiting off of underpaying labor in a job market where people need to do something. He is preying on the poverty cycle. Yeah. All over the world. Like he's not some great innovator. He is someone who saw all of the places he could exploit poverty and went, ooh, what if I made all of these into a beautiful necklace? (laughs) Now, keep in mind, I have ordered from Amazon. I like some of the Amazon original series, the Amazon original movies. I've rented movies from Amazon if I couldn't find them on YouTube to rent. I don't think it is necessarily an inherently bad thing, but I do not think that we need any trillionaires. Oh yeah, we. Bill, no, Bill we Gates could have been a trillionaire, <laughs> but he started just airdropping money on causes that need it. And I am just waiting for Jeff Bezos to go for. If Jeff Bezos spent like one one hundredth of his fortune, he could solve world hunger. He <laughs> could end extreme poverty by the end of next week if he really wanted to, and he would barely see a dent in his lifestyle. That is more money than any person could spend, 
And I really hope that eventually he realizes that, like, people have more value than lining his pockets with their leather. Oh, he won't. <laughs> that's, that's the thing that capitalism has done. Like, we, we've manufactured a breed of humans that don't care about humans. Like, that's, that's, all, it's, that's all this is now. So. I mean, when I say that, I hope that happens, though, I have a feeling it's going to be, like, while you were sleeping, where he has to get, like, a horrible concussion <laughs> and come face-to-face with his own mortality and, like, this some random movie. civilian who makes, like, $3 an hour plus tips saves him. And then he realizes, like, wow, the poor people are people. In America could really use a TV a movie of the week. We could really use one where the bad guy just decides to do good. We could really use one of those right about now. I'll start scripting. <laughs> I'm EP. <laughs> also, while we're at it, can we get like a, a cool movie about a guy who like wears a scarf around the lower half of his face? Uh, I don't even care what he does. Hilarious. But like... Yeah. We... We need a real angels in the outfield type of bullshit miracle to happen to this country. Shout out to Eric for that reference. Fuck angels in the outfield. I <laughs> look. I don't have much time. All right. So let me just say something real quick. My name is EG, and I am the host of two shows that are part of the Hyphen Podcast Group. The first show is called Catch the Show. It's a show where I talk about music-related news and pop culture, upcoming tours that you may want to catch shows of, and I tell you about a show that I call because it's the number one concert review podcast in the world, and I've reviewed shows from Beyonce to Kendrick Lamar to even the Backstreet Boys. So yeah, that's Catch the Show. The other show is called The Underground Monster. Slightly different kind of show, but still music-related. It's where I cover basically underground independent hip-hop, horrorcore and the juggalo culture so yeah if you're interested in either one go to hyphenpodcastgroup.com and or go to your favorite podcast platform and just search for them and hit that subscribe button okay got that cool now let's get you back to the show you were originally listening to speaking of cheeks getting clapped for batman 66 hey <laughs> Bro, how how camp is that fucking movie? Uh, oh, it's the campiest. It's also the first movie I have a memory of sitting down and watching all the way through as a child. Really? Your very first one? Well, I, I remember, like, chunks of Toy Story. And, like, I remember chunks of other movies. But this is the first one that I remember being like, Dad, I want to watch this. And we rented it from Best Buy. Because these were the dark times. And <laughs> we sat down and watched it together. And then we bought it at Newberry Comics. Aww. That's a nice bonding moment. So would you love about about the movie then, and has that love still maintained over the years? So first of all, I just remember, like, laughing a lot, because I I thought it was, like, the funniest shit. Like, it's so over-the-top and just next-level ridiculous that I I really enjoyed (laughs) that. But also, like, keep in mind, as a little kid, like... Robin, man. Like, how is that not the dream? <laughs> to be Robin? Yeah, to be adopted by a superhero? <laughs> um, yeah. 
Hello? Hilarious. So as a little circus freak kid, I was like, yes, that, please. (laughs) And then also, like, there's a bunch of cool heroes and not heroes. And some of them are even girls. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, shit kind of slaps, though. (laughs) Like, Catwoman is a badass. She's mostly treated the same as every other member of the villain team. I mean, considering the time period, she's practically like a pariah, but like in a sexy way. Yeah. Um, you know, she she is used for her skills as like a spy slash espionage person, not as like just a body. Yeah. Which like, again, as a kid is super, ex- like as a little kid is super exciting. I mean, she does actually the most important thing. She's the one that lures uh, Bruce Wayne into the trap. So she plays uh-huh. the most important role. Yeah. Also, just it's like got all the, the hallmarks of like a good kids comic book movie. It's got the bright colors. It's got the weird hokey tone. It's got new stuff happening all the time to keep you interested, except the weirdly long extended date sequence, which I still to this day do not like or understand. <laughs> when they're like their heads are touching. <laughs> yeah, no, they like are on a date for like a couple. Like it's like twenty minutes. Yeah. Like that scene is so long. Yeah. That said, I want that dress that Catwoman is wearing and that's like literally if I could wear every outfit that Catwoman has in this movie <laughs> I absolutely would. The world And I, I still might. She was rocking them heels in that one scene where her foot was, like, perched on some posts. Oh, dude, yeah. she's she is wearing the best stuff ever. Like, yeah. as, as a little confused bisexual child, like, shit slaps. Like, <laughs> I was like, oh, ho, is yeah. this how Disney princes feel? <laughs> the answer is yes. Yes, they do. <laughs> they, they find cute sleeping babes. But, like, you know, as a little kid, like, that, that is all you you want, you know? Yeah. That's what you're excited about. You're excited about the comic book-ness and the, the zam-boom-pow-bop, you know, thwap kind of thing. Would you have liked this movie if you first saw it as an adult? Probably, but probably for different reasons. What reasons? Well, so, like, have you seen The Room ever? Tommy Wiseau film? No, I didn't, no. Alright, so it's it's a So Bad It's Good movie. <laughs> and I have a propensity for So Bad It's Good films. So, like, I would even count Flash Gordon, which I unironically love, as a So Bad It's Good movie. <laughs> you know, it's not good because it's good, it's good because it's fun. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about this movie. I do also think, though, that, like, it's pretty obvious that Adam West especially, like, knows he's in a campy, silly movie. And is like, all right, let me make a silly, campy movie. Yeah, I think that's the best thing out of... I think everyone gets... I think everyone gets it. And so I think that's the genius of it. And to see fucking Burgess Meredith as the thing Yeah, baby! I was not prepared for that. I never realized I was Ah. thinking... Jesus. Four passing purposes which intercept torpedoes. There ought to be a piscatorial statute. Time is getting short. We've got to get Batman before he gets us. 
Hmm, perhaps I could lure him into the fatal embrace of a giant exploding octopus. You silly bird. They've just been through one of your fishy explosions, and they're still in one piece. Indeed? And I suppose they'll be broken up by your moldy joke. Oh, shut, up. shut up, all of you. Yeah, no, like, everybody in this movie knows what they're doing. Everybody in this movie gets why it's funny. Everybody in this movie is in on the joke. Even, like, the scene where they're on the date and the pirates are in suit jackets playing the violin. Like, everyone's <laughs> in on it. She's got yeah. that annoying little transmitter thing that makes this high-pitched whine. But, of course, Batman, that's not what Bruce Wayne, millionaire, whatever, whatever, is focused on. He's busy. Yeah. Like... Everybody gets why this is funny. Yeah, I the little cat thing she had, she pulled out a purse. That was <laughs> yeah. Did, did was, I make that when I cosplayed that version of Catwoman? You should have. I'm guessing. I it. did. Yes, yes. You know the funny shit is, <laughs> Bat Ladder. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's the funniest. That no. is funnier than the shark repellent bat spray. It kind of is because it's like. There's no need to name it Bat Ladder. And then they Except rolled it out. All of the reason to name it Bat Ladder. They rolled it out and it's just a tag at the bottom. Bat Ladder. Like a Supreme. Everything. <laughs> everything is Bat Everything. And it is all super necessary. Bro. And yeah. this is a hill I will die on. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> bro. Bat ladder. I'll I will never get over seeing that man. The first time I watched this movie, it was when I was super mega young, when Nick and Knight would replay the Batman movies at you know obviously at night. So the Adam West version was just kind of always in like my subconscious, and it's it's starkly different than the '89 Batman. I mean, they're I, trying to do different things. Oh, oh, they exceed. They exceed in doing the different things. I don't know that '66 Batman and '89 Batman like even hang out. Oh hell no! Like, <laughs> like I don't. I I think they like see each other at parties sometimes, and they go, "Oh Jesus, he's here." And then one of one of the one of them leaves the party immediately. Pretty much, they, yeah. They know it's the wrong party to be at. Yeah. <laughs> but. No, I actually I think I one of the first times I watched the original Bat well, when I watched eighty nine Batman, we watched sixty six Batman and then threw on the eighty nine Batman afterwards. That may have been like nineteen ninety or some shit like that when that happened. Yeah. But, but yeah, man, like <laughs> like this like speaking of camp, like I rewatched Fifth Element. <laughs> like the day before I watched Batman. Which and... I saw Fifth Element for the first time in October. Oh man, Fifth Element is so beautiful, man. Yeah. Uh we talked about it on this show already, but it's so great when they're so over the top, but everyone just buys it and everyone just goes for it. Like Fifth Element doesn't work without Chris Tucker. Mm-hmm. And Batman 66 does not work without people if, t- turning into dust, colored dust. If <laughs> I felt confident in the cosplay community's ability to understand appreciation and cosplaying as a character as, like, okay, I 350% would cosplay as fucking Ruby, Ruby Rod. Rod. Yeah. Oh. What was that? It was bad! It, it 
you had nothing, no fire, no energy, no nothing. You know I have a show to run here, you know? Mm-hmm. And it must pop, pop, pop. So tomorrow from five to seven, will you please act like you have more than a two-word vocabulary? It must be green, okay? Okay? You can do it, just don't do blackface. <laughs> oh, I would never, but like, I feel like the cosplay community right now would be like, you, black? No! Like, yeah, even not- if I just showed up, like, looking like me, but in leopard print, they would be like, oh, that's mm, most unorthodox. Ma'am, where's your shoe polish? Yeah. My my bow tie, it's spinning. Um, oh, man. And, like, frankly, I don't really want to be like, okay, like, let's chat about that. Bro, we need hey, to have... Hey, the internet. <laughs> You know, need, notorious place of good listening. We need to have spaces where people of all nationalities, if they want to cosplay Ruby Rod, they can cosplay Ruby Rod. We need space for all nationalities, races, religions, and creeds to be Ruby Rod together. As long, as, long as you don't wear shoe polish in your face. That's the only caveat. Oh, well, yes, that, please. <laughs> Oh, man. Bro, I would totally love to do Ruby Rod one year. I want to get a group of girls together to be the Pan Am girls. Like, really bad. Ooh. Yo. Fire. Fire fire ideas from... We should do this again sometime. That's probably going to be a Dragon Con cosplay someday. It's just going to be, like, throwing my friend Greg in a Corbin Dallas tank top. Nah, that's fire. And me and either that or like, uh, I don't know. There are some other cute outfits in that. Maybe I'm a cute McDonald's girl. I don't know. We got options. No. John Paul Gaultier, he did his thing when he designed the costumes. Oh, he knew exactly what he was trying to do there. And he (laughs) did it. Yo, because, I mean, there's different even, well, there's at least two different, uh, what's the girl's name? I'm banging on the girl's name. Lilu? Yeah, Lilu. Like, there's like. Because it's like the, the white bandage is Lilu, then there's the outfit after that. Yep. Because she only had two fits, right? Yeah. Okay. But each one is so, like, respectfully iconic. In it. Well, the ba- they're each so iconic in their own special way. I can't say that the bandage's outfit is respectful. Uh, yeah, it's not really respectful. So. But, like, I guess I would say that they each stand out and are, like, kind of imprinted on everybody's brains in their own way because, like, they're so specific and iconic in the same way that, like, the Gautier perfume bottles are. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, definitely. Because there's two different Ruby Rod fits for Corbin. He's got, like, one and a half, right? Well, you can either do... You can do the first one when you first introduce to him... Or you can do Distress Tux. Which is Distress Tux one. I oh no, you know what? Actually, here's here's what you need to do. You get dis distru- uh, distress tux Corbin Dallas. You get the second Lilu fit. Yeah. You get the, the black rose Ruby Rod fit. And yep. then one person does either the Gary Oldman fit or they do the um the priest fit. The Gary Oldman fit's Gary probably Oldman the better fit one. Super bad. Yeah, the Gary Oldman one's probably the better one. Yeah. We brainstorm here at We Should Do This Again sometime. Well, like, here's the thing, though, right? At the end of the day, like, I know anytime I bring up this idea, 
I'm inevitably going to be asked to. So, are you going to do Lilu? <laughs> we don't subscribe to the gender norms here at we and like again sometimes. No, I'm Gary Oldman. <laughs> Screw your binary. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And while you're at it, bring me a picture of that Spider-Man. Like, come on. <laughs> God, get with the times. I'm here for one thing and one thing only, and it's pictures of Spider-Man. God. Oh, man. So, yeah, anyway. uh, Fifth Element's good. Fifth Element's great, yes. Hiya, puddins. It's your girl, Holly Quinn, a.k.a. Dr. Harleen Quinzel, here to tell you all about it's like a podcast or whatever. We talk about nerd stuff and life stuff, and if you want to know what we're about, check out the Powie Awards, our 100th episode, Q and Slay, or theater from our butts. Have a good day, puddins, and love, trust, and belief. Did you guys end up watching the... Stop um, making sense? Yeah, stop making sense. Yeah, boy. So I made a whole bunch of my friends watch it, and none of them had ever seen it before. And all of them were upset when I suggested we turn it off to watch the movie that was actually on the schedule for that night. Because they were all enjoying it so much. Oh, no, you weren't going to let them finish. No. Well, the idea was that we'd just put that on as, like, a until it's dark enough to start the movie movie. But we wound up finishing it because we were only about 15 minutes away from the end. And everybody was like, what do you mean we don't get to finish it? Damn, so you must have cut it off like right when it got to the... Well, you were trying to cut it off at the big suit part, basically? I was trying to cut it off right after that. Oh. And, uh... We, Violating. I, okay, but, like, I didn't expect everyone to get into it like that. This is awesome. I, I, <laughs> never, I never saw Stop Making Sense. In, like, the okay, the beginning part... Like the the first like five minutes, his first performance, you're just kind of like everyone sitting down. This guy's at a acoustic guitar. This is like a play, like a play right. background. You don't know what the hell's going on. And then it's like, if you wait just like another song, energy's there. The crowd standing up, like it's the the girls dancing with mm-hmm. him and each other. He's like a bolt of lightning, like. No, I would I would have said he can't stop this movie either. So Heaven is one of my favorite Talking Heads songs, just ever. Probably one of my favorite songs songs ever. Uh, I think it is so beautiful, and it's one of the first songs I kind of relearned how to play on my ukulele when I started learning how to do that again. For the record, I would like to just state, you know, this was not just a guy pointed a camera at the stage. There's cinematography and there's clear direction here. And the person who directed it is Jonathan Demi. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, uh, he, he made this little picture. Uh, what was it called? Oh, Silence of the Lambs. You might have heard of it. Um, 
but he he sat down with talking heads and was like, I like your music. What can we make together? Yeah. And, you know, this is my favorite thing about it. And this was a thing that I was showing to all of my friends while we were watching this together is that every single time that David Byrne puts that's the lead singer takes his glasses off puts them on changes his part in his hair changes his outfit just a little bit it's a completely different character so much like david bowie would do a different character for a couple of years until he felt he had kind of wrung all the pulp out of that character david byrne does that in reverse he does like 20 characters in this two hour span and he he has one of the most beautiful romantic uh, almost erotic like dance scenes i've ever seen with a lamp (laughs) he was going for boy and like when he does once in a lifetime it's almost like he's like a minister you know when it's psycho killer he's clearly someone on his own he sits down he puts that boombox i have a tape i'd like to play for you yeah you know heaven is someone young realizing the beauty of human connection for the first time there's some conjecture that heaven is about an experience david byrne had at a gay bar i don't think that necessarily matters hey it doesn't but hey you know to me it is so much about the idea of like one moment in time defining your own happiness yeah and the amount of detail that exists in this you know from the gestures to the mannerisms to the way they dance to, you know, when David Byrne isn't on stage and it's just the Tom Tom Club and the Tom Tom Club has such a different energy than Talking Heads. Yeah. But it still distinctly fits in the, what they're doing. Yeah. I love that, the Tom Tom song. I love that. That's been sampled so much throughout rap, though. It's like embedded in my brain when I first heard it. Yeah. So Tom Tom Club was actually. Tina, who is the bassist, and her husband, whose name I can never remember, who's the drummer's side project. Yeah. They were Tom Tom Club before this band, right? Kind of. Yeah. Tom Tom Club was always kind of a backseat project with Talking Heads. And then they and David Byrne fell out. And (laughs) if you want to continue to like David Byrne as like an individual at all, don't look up any of those interviews. So, I kind of got so hard to watch. I kind of got the sense they burned a bridge between him and the lead singer. Basically, my understanding is that they were looking for someone who could be like their friend and bandmate. Yeah, and he wasn't. And that he at all. was looking for artists to help amplify his artiste vision. Yeah, but at the same time, like I don't know that I can blame anybody because this movie is perfect. I mean, well, yeah, the movie is uh, just this encap- encapsulation of this time. So anything after that, it kind of it kind of doesn't matter. Like, if this would have been the last thing they gave us, and then, you know, they would have been taken out, like, instantly. Like, we would have had this piece of art. And then that, right. that's all that would have mattered. Which is wild to me, because my favorite Talking Heads song isn't in this. Heaven is not no, in this? No, Heaven isn't it. My actual favorite is called Road to Nowhere. <laughs> Heaven's like my favorite that like is like <laughs> Hear me out. So, Heaven is like one of my favorite like songs, I guess. Whereas I would say Road to Nowhere is probably my favorite Talking Heads song, and I do think that there is a difference because Heaven doesn't necessarily sound like a Talking Heads song. I'll I'll buy it. 
I'll allow it. Um, <laughs> but my one of my favorite Talking Heads song, if not my favorite Talking Heads song, is called Road to Nowhere. And it's like this ridiculous Zydeco jam about how we're all doomed. <laughs> right on my alley. Yeah, Can- exactly. Cancer season. Shout out to cancer season. A, a tasty Zydeco <laughs> jam about how we're fucked. But that wouldn't have fit in with the mood that they kind of made. Yeah. So I don't blame them for not putting it in, but, like, it also makes me sad. But at the same time, like, this is going to sound so bad, but, like, I feel like people would be like, David Byrne, like, how do you prepare for this concert? Like, how do you prepare for being active for, like, three hours and interrupt? Like, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, in my mind, he's just sitting in a white room wearing all white, eating cottage cheese. Like, I feel like Doing he doesn't, white. like... Like, I'm, in my mind, this is, like, I don't, I don't know. Like, who is David Byrne? I have no idea. (laughs) It sounds like you're going through an existential crisis over who was David Byrne. Well, right. Well, who is? He's alive. (laughs) Um, But, like, you know how sometimes with, like, concerts you feel like you know somebody a little bit better? Yeah. You know, like. Even if you watch the Queen Live Aid set, you can see, like, the moments where they connect with each other. And you can see the moments where Freddie connects with the audience, right? Yeah. And, like, that's very real. And here, David Byrne, like, I don't see him connect with anybody. I see the band behind him connect with each other. I see them connect with the audience. But David Byrne is so, like, insular in his little capsule. And I'm just like, what? Like, who... And that makes me want to watch it more and figure it out. So Roger Ebert, one of my favorite critics ever. And I feel like I'm I'm probably like a Roger Ebert disciple as much as I write bullshit on Letterboxd. Um, so here's what Roger, a blurb that Roger wrote about this, about Stop Making Sense. The overwhelming impression throughout Stop Making Sense is of enormous energy, of life being lived at a joyous high. It's a live show with elements of Metropolis. With the film's peak moments coming through Burns' simple physical presence, he jogs in place with his sidemen. He runs around the stage. He seems so happy to be alive and in making music. He serves as a reminder of how sour and weary and strung out many rock bands have become. And he wrote that at the time of the release. Yeah. And it, when I read that, it kind of hit me. It's like, yeah, like, well, one, him being, like, physically present in this movie and him just, like, running around stage and being completely active, like, that's something that stood on my mind, like, a lot. Like, a lot of bands regardless of like the genre of music their front men aren't really doing things that he's doing like like yeah like there are groups that you know r&b acts and pop groups that dance on stage and then they have background dancers and whatever right. but you know they're not responsible for playing guitar and and singing into the mic at the same time like like he's kind of functioning on a level that a lot of rock acts weren't at the moment and really and haven't he's... done since and he wears a fucking robot suit. <laughs> like, there's so much that's happening that I feel like I should be like, what the hell is going on, right? But yeah. as you're watching it, you just go, yeah, okay. Oh, this is what we're doing now. Cool. Like, you know, it all feels so put together, even if it's not necessarily choreographed as put together. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, and that's part of what I love about it so much. If you have an opportunity, there's a really great 
I don't know what to call it. It's presented as a special feature on the Blu-ray and the DVD, but I think it was initially a promotional thing where David Byrne, like a bunch of different David Byrne characters, so David Byrne in different costumes and different wigs and different facial hair, <laughs> interviews David Byrne. Yeah. That's and funny. so one of them is like, and he's always giving these ridiculous answers. So one of them's like, hey, like there's a pretty sexy love song on here. He's like, I wanted to take the idea of making a love song and I wanted to make it specific and beautiful, but I also wanted to have it between me and a lamp. <laughs> and like, they're like, what's the symbolism behind the big suit, huh? And he's like, well, I wanted to make my head appear smaller. So I realized the way to do that was to make my body look bigger. Hilarious. And like, they're all like non-answer answers. But you also get to see a bunch of the characters that he kind of cycles through during Stop Making Sense, like do other things, which is kind of interesting. And so yeah. then if you if you look at those characters and then watch it again, you can kind of see where they are, even though he doesn't necessarily change his outfit in a big way or draw on a mustache or whatever each time. Yeah. Which I think is really cool. <laughs> yeah, man. It's I'm watching it I'm watching it right now in the background and it's just nonstop movement. Like Yeah. Nonstop movement. And like the coming out of unfortunately like the heroin age of rock and the cocaine like rock era, like I mean, this was nineteen eighty four. Yeah, like this is that was a lot of blow. <laughs> that was a lot of blow. But also, like, they're from Rhode Island School of Design. They're local to me. I'm pretty sure they were skiing the slopes in Rhode Island. <laughs> I... It's none of my business. Yeah. But, like, David Byrne is... Like, I don't want to say he's weird, because that doesn't seem fair. But, like, he has a whole thing where he's, like... He, like, went off at one point and was like, the future of the internet, or, like, the future of everything is going to be on the internet, and convenience is going to be what we trade for our information. And, like, he I mean, totally, he totally nailed it. But yeah. in, like, 1989. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, what weird alien are you? I'm not even trying to be mad, but, like, did he yeah. come back and, t like... No. How did we get here? <laughs> no, like, so, I mean, there are people of the early 80s that were really kind of forecasting shit like that, man. The dude that wrote, that wrote Blade Runner, he just did, like, a bunch of methamphetamines, and he conjured up a lot of shit. <laughs> right, and, like, David Bowie also had a lot of weird quotes about, like, the internet. Yeah, because you gotta think, this is, like, coming, this is an era of where republicanism is popular where like people are like hourly republican and don't don't care so you know the walls coming down like you know cocaine and drugs are like ravishing places like they're they're a hop skipping and jump away from the civil rights era where people getting literally killed for their beliefs like a lot of this stuff was kind of in the water already yeah also uh business insider describes him as an art punk david Byrne, <laughs> and uh i think that's it i mean i like, can get that i get with that i'm i'm about it like i i get it 
he he has this whole like he went on this ridiculous blog rant, but he said at one point like the gover- uh the legal behavior and illegal theft are cousins. Online spying and cyber theft are not freak phenomena. Increasingly, they appear to be the unavoidable consequences and price of online access. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but like he said that twenty years before the internet was the internet. No, I. I- telling you yeah there, there are people this paranoid and rightfully so like i because I, I think it's kind of hard to imagine especially being back then when obviously cell phone technology obviously personal computers were not a thing but yeah i think people were really paranoid especially in the reagan era of you know what information meant like in the, the cold war era like people just being really sort of aware of what information meant and how powerful it could be and what ways it could be yielded, you know, negatively. And the funny, it was a lot of the times it was mortal's theories are based in negativity and positivity and for obvious reasons. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm again, I'm, I don't want to downplay, like I'm not shocked, but I'm actually, I'm surprised in a good way that he actually had that kind of foresight because yeah, man, like it's, it's, Can I think it's, I think it's why they, they saw it then and it came to fruition all these years later. Yeah. So uh, I guess the, the takeaway is watch more joyful media, whether that's Batman 66 or Stop Making Sense, but maybe don't watch them in movie theaters right now. <laughs> is that the disc for the episode? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either, man. Fuck. Uh, I mean, it should just end when I just feel like anyway. <laughs> Find Cat at Kat Chinetti on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram. Find Marcus at Show and Mad Love on Twitter and Instagram. S-H-O-I-N-M-A-D-L-O-V. Please join our Facebook group at We Should Do This Again Sometime and follow us on Twitter at Kat, K-A-T, and Mark, M-A-R-C. Read us at catseasmovies.tumblr.com and themarkrob, T-H-E-M-A-R-C, rob.wordpress.com Be sure to tip your waitress at Catherine Chinetti on Venmo. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenley under Hyphen Podcast Group in conjunction with It's Like a Podcast or whatever. Thanks again for listening. We should do this again sometime. This, this is a Hyphen Podcast production. Are you not entertained?